checking the mail it's early morning, too early for anyone to be up, yet, not even 9am, I stumble out of bed, grab my glasses, pull on a robe, and head down 16 floors to the mailboxes, it's Tuesday, and I always have mail on Tuesdays, leftover mail from Monday, I never check the mail on Monday, maybe there will be something from my publisher, who keeps sending back everything I write, usually with these cute, coy, cryptic little notes, and there, in the back of the mailbox, jammed between a circular from Amazon.com and one for Wanted, largest collection of adult DVDs is the letter from William and William Publishing, I tear it open in the hallway, Carrie's letter flutters to the floor, I bend, pick it up, and I damn near give myself a hernia, I'm putting on weight these days, going from 160 to 190 and then bouncing way up to a diabetic 265, all in the space of six and a half months, I think I'm dying, hell, I don't think, I know, Carrie's letter is not encouraging, in a strange way, your short story, Second Skins, makes sense, following the truth of what really happened, I guess, since our coffee marathon in La, when you try to explain everything, you're quite a handful, Ben, otherwise, the stuff you've been sending in recently has been point blank twisted and unnatural, but somehow, it makes sense, it's hard to try to think of this as fiction, even for someone who doesn't know Benjamin Scriber, it's going to sound autobiographical, the biggest problem I see with the story is that it casts Georgie as the hero, when he isn't even a plausible anti-hero, that's the problem with Carrie Banks, she wants me to be either a hero or an anti-hero, when, of course, I'm neither, instead of writing back, I sit at home and obsess and wonder why I can't get anything published. People tell me I'm the next Bukowski or Burroughs, which means nothing to me. I write what I write, I fill it with cheap sects, what I know, what I'm good at, and wait for the go-ahead. I'm still waiting for the contract. So far, I've been waiting a year and a half. That's 43 chapters, 92,322 words, mostly about Heidi and Muir, maybe, I should say, mostly about Georgie's Claudia. Dr. C said in our second session that I have a problem with obsessive thinking, no shite, shellac I blurted back to her, what else is new she also said that Georgie's not a real character, that he's nothing but an alter ego stuffed with all the funky feelings I refuse to feel, and when I get healthy, Georgie will die an appropriate death, and then, maybe I can move on with my life, but whoever said I wanted to move on, where would I be moving to, anyway? Dear diary, I suppose to suffer from demonstrating this horrifically profound and prodigious capacity of these inherent abilities within this otherwise schizophrenic and effective spectrum, to reach far in excess of what would be considered normal. I mean it's one of the more pleasant aspects of such a complex handicap. I learn to love it, laugh at it, when I can, and just taking pride in it. It's not like it's going to harm me or anybody else, and if I do stir someone up, it's on him or her. I tend to move ahead, even through the storms. This might be off topic but I love scoffing, especially when the word scoff is subtitled in a brilliant foreign film, those are the best, ah, how random it is, how it all comes in, all the hypermanic thoughts and schizophrenic voices, all at once, I think my train of thought has left the station again, at this point, so I have a cigarette and write more and more, I'm the energizer bunny, on Kelly I got another email from Kelly, I think she likes me, yeah, me, give me a fucking break, already, still, I wish she'd send a picture, something to add to my private collection. Dear Ben, your novel, if that's what it is, is fascinating work, with its gritty, impersonal sects, it tears my heart into, 
that much is very nicely done. The problem though, as I see it, is that your reader cannot possibly follow your train of thought all the way through the 400 odd pages of living colorful beauty. It's too disjointed. You don't want to lose the reader, do you? You want them to feel for you and cry for you and bleed for you, and work through the whole mess with you, right? So, how about adding a through line, just to let your reader by the hand through whatever story you have to tell? Does that make sense? Oh, and, by the way, the quote includes one on one, just like you asked. Best of luck with this incredible project, let me know how else I can help. Sincerely, Kelly about Kelly, I love this whole business she has of saying, does that make sense she's my editor, but she's dominant, I want to be her servant, a slave boy, a boy toy, a big beef on the hoof. She must have a habit of asking if that makes sense, I can hear it in my mind, just like she is speaking it to me, I can tell where she's at, and her little quirks like that really get me going, but on the novel. What's she saying about the novel? I think about it over a coffee mug filled with espresso. Ten minutes have passed. Still nothing. Yet, yeah, Kelly's okay. She's cool with my disjointed prose style and my kinky sex parts. Anyway, she's a hell of a lot better than Kevin a Goldhand, who writes, Mr. Screeber. First of, no, not the Trish piece. Too clichéd. Perhaps the main storyline is rooted like this. The romantic lead and neighbors, Georgie and Claudia, are an attractive couple who, having rushed their passion in each other from the very beginning, split up. They are both inflicted with a low sense of self-worth as their actions show, blah, 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 yap yap yap. Just self-important editorial hack work, you can tell he doesn't really get it. Coming up next, when I broke up with the real Claudia, Heidi, dear diary, I have many people in my life, some come and some go, and I call the few people I trust, my notorious real demediators, another living colorful beauty, I just wrote you a letter, Kelly, it's real garbage, it's an attempt to write you a letter, but it came across really bitter and angry, I meant it to be genuine and friendly but, once again, it obsesses on the negatives and on my pathetic self and my giving up, so to speak, my possessing you, it lets you know that I want to be left alone to rot it out, rotting it out, a good new title for living, colorful beauty, don't you think? I just can't stand that I see myself in you. It's ugly and scary. Or, at least, it scares me. I've left the letter on the kitchen counter, along with your mail and mine. There are my diabetes prescriptions and my poster from mail order. You may open it for a look. It's small, but it's a good quality frameable poster. And it says how I'm feeling lately. Fuck you. You fucking fuck. The new paper, 100 sheets, is on your desk. And my new t-shirts are hanging in my bedroom closet the one closest to the entry, in case you are interested, I don't like the I haven't escaped, they gave me a day pass one, anymore, I'll keep it for the house, but you should try to read, if you feel up to it, the aqua blue one with the psychedelic insignia on it, it says fuck you, kind of in code, sorry, don't take it personally, sometimes I just say, fuck you, to everything and everybody, it's just my stuff, you understand, I'm still angry and I have a little energy left, I meant what I said in the letter about your distance and my inferiority, I'm losing myself and losing you, this isn't some emotional intimacy we're getting involved in, it's all my flaws and faults we're getting involved in, my twitches and tics and the schizophrenia, I am killing you, more than I could ever kill myself, I just can't help it, it's just me, you must be a wreck, my letter was meant to be apologetic, to acknowledge my regression and my false sense of self-worth, you could call it depression, I'm not saying it's worse than that, it's like, forgive the choo-choo train metaphor, I'm dragging along the whole freight train of these personalities, these identities, 
the reactions of others, and this philosophy, which just shrank up to fit me earlier in life than it did for most people, who will live to an older age than I will, anyway, back on the train, once the train runs along the tracks, the caboose moves forward, but is always looking back, like in my journals from the Claudia intermission, a row B, reader, looking back, the caboose doesn't really contribute any power, not like the engine in the front, the caboose isn't really necessary, like me, and surely capooses like me stay at the tail end of society, hanging out with damaged freight, the old worn out body, seeming silly and out of place beside the cars that make up the majority or essence of the train, you could just uncouple and nobody would notice, or care, as life goes on without you, the train will still stop and go, hold itself together, and function terrifically either way, but eventually, without you, it will run out of energy, grind to a stop, or, otherwise, die, Ben, dearest Ben, there's absolutely no reason to apologize for anything, I think you're pretty awesome, you're the hugest and most adored part of me that I can imagine, Kelly dear diary, instead of spending time after time over editing my work, given my first drafts are literally my best, exterminating all rational thought, as for my current piece, I'm definitely going to leave all the written pieces on the floor, leaving them be as they are then move the hell on, it will all turn out just fucking fine, I just know it, I can bicker with my editors later, and dance my attendance at the opera house when all is done, I always wanted to see Don Giovanni live on stage, anyway, I'm on a real roll today, rolling up my sleeves and on the go, back to the heat dear Kelly, I'm so sorry in advance for coming across her as bitter, you'll see why I'm bitter after a few minutes reading, but as for living, colorful beauty, well, looking over your critique, haven't I left enough room in this novel for reader interpretation, who is my reader, didn't I leave any place for the readers of this, my greatest work to date, to come up with judgments, images, and emotions of their own, have I simply chosen certain fragments of this anguished life, and, yes, haven't I done a real good job of getting into the depressing, yet fascinating, train wreck mentalities of both Georgie and myself, but is that all I've done, is that all I can do, I guess so, I'm pretty sure about that, I question this work now, the whimper, the bang, it's not really over yet, is it, tell me it's not over yet, you're telling me that I should keep combing the hair out of this piece, that it's still not good enough for whom, I've got to spend another year polishing and writing and working on new editions and editions, alack, alas, I don't know, I know I haven't put enough provocative scenery into it, much less incorporated any real action and dialogue, or any depth, I know, yeah, praise the lord for no depth, by the way, I know you still wish you might feel some more empathy for the characters in my life, as part of the living, colorful beauty, you are my living colorful beauty, honey, but as you read this, can't you feel anything more than, oh, okay, I see, he's just another Chuck Palahniuk wannabe, ooh, he's is the next fucking Bukowski, or fucking Kathyaka, as in lust as I am with Kathyaka am I to be just some creative writing clone with a knockoff novel whose ramblings sometimes resonate, in your crotch, in your heart, and to call this book, I'm sorry, something happened yesterday, and I'm hurt and, um, spent, to call this novel, if that's what it is, unfinished business what the hell is this, you think that I, as the writer, the narcissist, the fucking cupcake lover, whatever the hell I am, you say I just have a lot of imagination and a witty eye for detail, experimental structure, and I'll add, peace of mind, random thoughts, this is my aunt, this is sex with a condom, this is vanilla sky with Tom Cruise, this is fucking tops, baby, hey, listen up now, this stuff is about hope, I thought, 
hope for everything that was unclear before, hope that things would come to fruition and become real, tangible, loving, and peaceful, things, like us, like we want to be, and, without hope, so what, okay, if you want to get all edit why on me, I'm sorry, baby, I'm trying to get to the point, please bear with me here, here's another non sequitur, our fucking dogs are fucking barking again at the demons in the fucking house, we need to fucking soundproof the office, okay, I've had enough, I'm just babbling and ranting, now, I know, I'm really trying to be level headed and nice, here, it's nice, okay, Kelly, baby, this is your brain on drugs, like this is what I found in my frustrating venture out there in the outside world, all on my own, yesterday when I walked out by myself, I walked all the way to our usual psychic advisor, the one we've been seeing since we moved out here in the desert together, and this is nothing about those silly tapes, the psychic, just so future readers know, was Sabrina, but Sabrina wasn't there, and Sister Clara was feeling in for her, Sister Clara was down the street at the new age shop, as usual, but I wasn't prepared for the strange, creepy things and awful demons that would follow me there, and just so you know, Kelly, I do love you, your lady to love, and I want you, I want you so badly, do I have you, Kelly, like I want, do I, really, Kelly, I know we are both still new at all this, this whole being lovers and living together gig, and I admit to my obsession and that I'm dependent on you, just as I'm dependent on my fucking family, they are still staring at me, but I'm happy, you see, Sister Clara, you probably don't remember, but we met her at the meditations we go to, she was there the first night, I think, the first night we attended, when we met that massage therapist who said she could help with the Tourette's stuff, anyway, Clara was sort of off to the side with the shop owner, Evelyn, she's probably in her early 50s, has this straight, shoulder length, grey hair, a huge Celtic cross pendant, and dresses in the southwestern new age style, you know, a poncho and pagan shoes with huge buckles, silver and stone rings galore on and painted fingers, nails kind of like yours, a little long and natural looking, do you remember her, do you remember Clara, so I step inside, asking for Sabrina, I'm extremely out of breath, since the long walk to the new age shop was exhausting, what is it, am I a lasso, the shopkeepers ask me if I'm alright, because I'm strangely red faced and unsure of myself, of course, I tell them it's my allergies, although I'm sure that isn't true, the shop women and the owner, specifically, you know, they look rather inquisitive, strangely so, and they ask where you are and I tell them you're home working on your own book, as you are, and I add that you're excited because it looks like you'll probably be showcased in the New Yorker in a few months, finally, one by one, the new age shopkeepers inform me that Clara, who we both barely know, or at least I barely know her, wants to see me in private, and somehow, I feel a sense of disillusionment, the owner, Evelyn, she's that larger, older lady who always talks about her son, escorts me to the back room and into one of the smaller psychic chambers off to the side, and Clara's seated there in front of me, I sit down in a chair, like I'm her client, or something, and I'm, like, totally wondering what's going on, you see, when I'm with the new ages, I even start to talk like them so I ask her, hey, Clara, what is happening mid-stroke of the pen, Kelly walks in, something about her seems slightly unreal, she wears angelic clothing, a bridal veil, she stands in the doorway, apart from me, hey, let me read you something I wrote this morning, okay her voice seems to echo just the slightest bit, I nod, you're the sweetest man alive, and I thank God every day that you have come into my life, she reads from a scrap of paper held in her hand, thank you for the flowers, the orchids, the bonsai tree, and the ficus, 
They are so alive, like our relationship. I love you very, very much. I look at her. I want to hold your hand, even if it's just for the one second. If you don't give up on me, then I hope you'll do nothing different, except just help me realize how bad I am, because I need to really surrender to that. I say in a rush, I see me in you, and I can't stand it. What should I do? Should I let myself die? Kelly, I don't want to die. If I die, who would I be? Would I have to be me? What about Georgie? What about Claudia? Dear diary, all that I am is the result of what I have thought. My mind is everything. What I think, I become. Fortune I step inside a small booth finding psychic, Sister Clara, weighing for me already. I sit across from her, like I'm a client or something. Hey, Clara, what is happening I say. Sister Clara removes a tiny mead spiral binder from a small paperback at her side. She lays it on the flimsy, cloth-covered reading table between her and me. Ben, I am aware that we've never really been properly introduced. She begins, her voice quiet and soothing. And what I have to say to you is rather private and personal. In fact, it's very private and personal. It's about you, Ben, and it touches the most intimate, secret, and most painful parts of your life. But, to put it simply, she coughs. I was in the middle of a meditation and I started writing down, drawing what I saw, and what I saw were things about you, Ben, things from your subconscious mind, or maybe from your present and past lives, your previous reincarnations and your karmic chains, and I couldn't bear to let this go by without witness I blink, really I'm still not impressed, fairly certain that sister Clara is just trying to hype me up for paid readings, until she opens the first page of her little red notebook, Clara flips the pages of the notebook to a leaf covered in some sketches of various feminine figures interacting with a small male baby. This is you, Ben, not Georgie, not Benji. This is you and your grandmother, Ben, your real grandmother, not your mother, not your aunt. This is your real, biological grandmother. I could see what Clara had drawn, a precious little boy, an infant boy with a little penis, too. And the grandmother was holding the little boy, me the baby, by the dick, and only by the fucking dick. This woman, my own grandmother, was torturing me, but how could Sister Clara get this from my subconscious mind, or whatever, how could I have remembered it? What the fuck, I thought. And then Clara started flipping through the filled in pages, a whole notebook of sick and demented art, Avni and my grandmother, and then me together with my aunt and then my teachers from nursery school, even the nanny from Trinidad, who was supposed to be taking care of me when I was at home, separately, they are all performing very disturbing acts of violence and aggression on my innocent infantile genitals. In one of them, a nurse of some kind, dark complexioned, performs medical procedures on my skin, in the private areas, medicating, stitching, and bandaging my bottom and my little baby cock. I'm in shock, I can't think. I just keep staring at that notebook and its sick and demented pictures, and I wonder what the fuck has been happening in my subconscious mind, since those earliest of years, since my sect's life began, rape, and what that has to do with you, or what, I am now. To put it crudely, Ben, this one is cosmetic surgery, she explains, just a cover-up job, so that you wouldn't know later on what they did to you in your earliest childhood. You might have a subconscious memory now and then, but you wouldn't know what to do with it, until, finally, I picked up the impressions and pictures in your subconscious mind, Sister Clara hands the small mead spiral notebook to me, I leave the new age shop without another word, choking up and sobbing, as if staggering from a heavy blow, large metal keys and bells that hang from the swinging door jingle as the door closes behind me, I walk slowly home, clutching the notebook to my chest, when my lungs threaten to end me, I stop for a broken moment, 
I can strangely, somehow, still manage to breathe in and out. Finally, somehow, still manage to really breathe. Ah, God. Just let me catch my breath. My head clears as I keep on walking. You should see this thing, Kelly, I say to myself. This fucking notebook, this fucking picture book that Sister Clara showed me, and the fucking picture she drew of my grandmother and my nanny and all those crazy women doing those sick and demented things to me when I was just a helpless little baby. It tells me things I never would have known about myself, things I never would have wanted to know. It tells me why I'm such a fucked up human being, why I am what I am, why I can't function like a normal human being, why I can't love myself, or anybody else. That's what they meant, all those psychos and doctors and cops, when they said I needed help and told me I better take it, and I didn't want help. I really didn't want to know. But now I know what I'm and why I needed a help. Now I know what happened to me back then, when I was just a baby in my grandmother's house. But I still don't even know. What do I have there, down below? Is it even a natural cock? I mean, a natural penis? What is it? Is it me? I still don't get it now. Do I? Do I and I dissolve into tears so hard that I can't think anymore? Choked up and sobbing, crying like a baby. I kick away the dirt at my feet, but I can't kick it well enough, or hard enough to make it better. I'm almost home. Now, I only have whatever dignity is left in me. I only have the dignity of who or what I am, and whatever I might be, left there inside me, that my poor, pathetic, hopeless self, that pitiful, abused past. I am only in just that. I'm just me, and even that's nothing but a fiction, nothing but a lie I invented to disguise my past and hide. Oh, God, or someone, something, please, give me the courage just to be me. When I finally stumble back to the house, there's no car in the driveway. Your car? No car. I thought you were already home by now, baby, I mutter. I check my pockets and groaningly kneel and peer beneath the doormat. No keys. The sun is hot now. I can scarcely breathe. I pound with both fists on the door. Kelly, let me in I cry, as though she's really there. All I hear is the dogs whining and barking at my strangely familiar voice. I know we started out pretty rough here. Kelly, I plead. I knew my family would never approve of us, not even if we got married. But I'm waiting for you, baby. It's just like you said, the stuff we write, the shite we say, we make it real, we manifest ourselves in the world, I hear what I've said, I see spanging. The dogs are quiet now, I can hear the dogs still barking. Kelly, Kelly there's no answer, everything's completely silent and empty, a pin could drop. I scuff my shoes on the dirt and gravel of the driveway, sit, Ben, sit, so you can digest everything, I command. I sit on the hard rocky driveway, I just want to live, and if that means carrying on these stupid, superficial relationships with family and friends, then so be it. Please, God, just let me live. Dear diary, I believe that it is better to tell the truth than a lie, I believe it is better to be free than to be a slave, and I believe it is better to know than to be ignorant. Inside outside are the noises of twilight, crickets and coyotes, and dogs. I sit before a long line of cameras, still set up to record, just like before, with Georgie. I speak, I'm still here in the psych ward. No, I mean, in my home with the cinder blocks and cement and stuff with my electronic bracelets and monitors. I haven't been able to escape yet, but they give me day passes and things. But I'm home, I'm still at home. You see, I stand, flinching, and cover the camera lenses, one at a time, until they see nothing but blackness. I sigh, and continue to speak. At least I'm not alone. After all, they still might need to establish the cause of death. I point accusingly at the cameras. They don't see. It's there, in these things, in the tapes, 
If they ever bother to look for it, I stand up and gather together my papers, my keys, and a notebook from the desk. I can feel it. I really can. I say for the benefit of the cameras, we're all getting older and wiser, and sometimes, you just have to listen to the sounds of your life, the profound silence that resides somewhere inside you, somewhere in the emptiness, the deep remarkable hollow sounding thing. I light a cigarette and take a puff, then set it down on the ashtray leaving it to burn. But I can't see the sounds anymore, obviously. I can only feel the colors, and they are brilliant and alive. They are living beautiful colors, I turn to go, I speak to the doorway and my voice echoes through the empty house, as for tonight, I'm going to go get groceries and fertilizer for the lawn outside, and I can't forget a firewood, finally, we can build a beautiful fire tonight, maybe we'll find the living, colorful beauty inside, the cigarette drops off of the ashtray and onto the desk, then it rolls off onto the carpeted floor, it must have, I don't see, it's okay, now, all that is past me now, I hope. I just have to hold on to this, this present, this unbroken moment, and who or what I am now, I just might have found myself, at last, we'll just have to see about that, Kelly and me, we'll just have to see, I leave, dear diary, I think it's about time now that I take a break from you, at least for the time being, I've got to get back to the other writing at hand, I suppose I'll write back in you upon completion of my book, I'm going to create a few more sections and let it go, alas, Ben, 